for a long time, I sort of thought of Zapier as sort of a boring productivity tool. You know, the integration stuff's been around since the 80s and 90s. It's not a new, exciting thing. I was not a user of Zapier for a long time. And along that first couple of years, one interesting thing emerged from our early customers was they started telling us, and we would go to these like user meetup groups and these partner conferences with all the vendors that we integrated with. And we'd have like people come up to us and like shout our names across the room, like, oh, the Zapier guys, like, and like high five us. And just the, there was like this unusual fandom and like love for and passion for this like product we built that I didn't square with my mindset of like, well, it's just another piece of software. That's Mike, the co-founder of Zapier. If you're stuck in a growth rut, you're trying to figure out where do we prioritize, but you have a couple customers that are overly excited. Go talk to them, learn more, stay close, listen to what they did. As I dug into it and I saw this on my own self, these folks that really, really love Zapier were folks that were not just using it for time saving. Like certainly Zapier even today gets used for like time saving. You know, you've got your own use cases probably running this podcast and maybe you can help yeah. save time. But the folks who really love it, it's more of a fundamental like zero to one enablement where, you know, their mindset is like, Zapier is a lot me to build something that I didn't think was within the set of like possible outcomes that I could do. You know, it's like, wasn't like the alternative was, it was like, do something cheaper or higher. Sorry, it was like, literally, it was just not gonna happen. So that like feeling of like, it's like a new capability you sort of get. That's what's felt so good. When you can hone in your marketing in the early days, that's where the power is. They were able to build an SEO strategy that he said allowed them to deliver it to hundreds of thousands and even millions of people at a very scalable price because their, their CAC was nearly zero. Know your persona better than they know themselves. Boom. Hey, welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and VC. I now work at Zendesk for Startups, where we offer six months free use of Zendesk for qualified high growth companies. Mike, I'm so excited to have you here, man. Let's get right down to it. Everyone has heard of Zapier on this podcast. Yeah. Could you tell us when you founded it and was it doing the same thing as it is now? Uh, no. So I, today, we, I generally think of Zapier as like a no-code uh, software automation platform. Um, you know, we connect over 5,000 tools uh, all the way from Zendesk to Gmail to Salesforce to Trello, sort of any, any sort of software that you use to run your business. Zapier can sort of interoperate and like build um, workflow automation between those those systems. But when we first got started, um, yeah, we did not have that sort of grand vision in our head. Like it's, it's sort of taken even a long time to like kind of um, see Zapier as like a no-code uh, tool as well. Like that wasn't a thing when we first got started a decade ago. Um, what we, what sort of the, I kind of rewind the clock and give you a, a sense of the landscape. Um, you know, if you would have gone to Google 10 years ago and typed in, how do I integrate, um, you know, let's say, uh, you know, SurveyMonkey and Salesforce together. Uh, what you would have gotten and what you did get was a uh, list of results that would uh, link to the SurveyMonkey API uh, or the Salesforce API or a Stack Overflow post from a developer showing you some code for how to connect those two services together. Um, you might've come across a forum, blog post or something like this where comments were or online communities where people, users of those two services were like asking for it. Um, and there was sort of this like very obvious like market inefficiency where it was kind of like, okay, there's lots of people who want this stuff. Why aren't these companies building it? And uh, we started thinking about that problem and like talking to some of these companies too, like, wait, why, why don't you just build this? And the reality was they were building some integrations. Uh, you know, they build the number one, two, three top most requested tools that their users were asking them for, but they were getting these like long tail requests of like hundreds of, of tools. Like SaaS was just coming into vogue, you know, the, the uh, friction to, to build a piece of new software and deploy on the internet was just getting dragged down. You know, Stripe was just getting started. So the payment infrastructure was much more easy and accessible. So like all these sort of trends were making, you know, this proliferation explosion of like great niche SaaS software, just like there was a huge tidal wave growing there. Um, but there was like, yeah, this problem where like, it just took, took way too, too much time for any individual software provider vendor to integrate with thousands of other tools that were like coming up every day. Um, 
So that was the original thesis was like, okay, well, I think we probably could solve that. Like imagine a world where there was one company that did more of like a hub and spoke model that integrated with all these like uh, long tail providers so that, you know, the, the you know, individual uh, uh, software vendor only had to integrate one time with something like Zapier. And then their users get, you know, thousands of integrations for free. And not only that, it's going to get better over time, right? As new players plug into that hub, uh, you know, new use, use cases are sort of unlocked automatically over time. And so Zapier's original product was really about, like, that was a problem we, we set out to solve. It's these very simple, like, you know, one-to-one -one use cases of, you know, trigger off data from one app and get data into another app. Um, and along the way, sort of our users surprised us and like raised our own like level of ambition and excitement, I think, um, in terms of what Zapier could be. Oh, that's interesting. Help me with that because I think a lot of founders, like they think they can get to product market fit, but then they go talk to investors and they're like, is this a massive enough opportunity? Like, you know, you throw the TAM slide up there, but really you're like, man, I don't so see like, how this is going to connect. But you're telling me your users actually lifted your ambitions on the company. And I can tell you this, but I didn't think about TAM that one time, uh, going through all the way through the pitch for getting into Y Combinator, the launch, the next year, several years. I always did have the question in my head of like, you know, we, we saw the growth. That was like the, the thing we got obsessed over was just like our week over week growth rate. Um, that's the one thing like YC really instills in you is this like just obsession over a single number. And we chose to look at week, uh, week over week revenue growth. And that was the number one thing and only really metric we cared about. And everything else sort of flowed from that. Um, and, you know, that was really good for us. You know, we were getting 10, 15, 20% week over week growth for a long time. And, um, you know, we just did have the question of like, okay, well, what's the S curve on that growth? Because every technology, every product has its S curve. It's just a matter of like, how big is it? And we didn't know, um, but it was like, didn't really matter at those early days because it was, that wasn't our goal. Like when we started the company, it was very much like, hey, we want to work on a cool product. We want to solve the problem for really real customers and hopefully like beat ourselves along the way. And sort of uh, everything else was, you know, sugar <laughs> um, in terms of how big could it get. And turns out we sort of stumbled into like a really big, exciting thing that I don't think we even knew at the, at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be sort of a big deal. Man, I love the humility. I heard that the same thing with Alex from Deal, where it's just like, you weren't trying to think of this massive opportunity. You were just focusing on the one thing right now. And they made a big pivot right before demo day that really changed the business completely. Was there anything that you could share kind of like insights, like leading up to demo day? Had you hit product market fit or were you close? Uh, that's a good question. I, I always, um, uh, I like to use the analogy of like uh, pushing a boulder up a hill for like the product market fit feel. Um, this is the best one I've heard. I've heard a lot of definitions for it. This is the one that resonated the most with me is like, you know, you have to imagine at the beginning of your company, you're starting from zero. You are going to push, you know, a boulder up a hill. And uh, what that means is you're going to put in like 10 units of effort and the boulder is going to move like one unit of distance, right? Up that hill. And as you get the boulder closer and closer to the peak of the hill, you're starting to put in like less and less effort for the boulder to go the same distance. And then, you know, when you reach the peak of the hill, the boulder is sort of, um, you know, starting to coast a little bit without you having to put in any new effort. And then on the other side of the hill, once it's like going down the hill, the boulder is like running away from you. And like, you cannot keep up with the boulder. <laughs> You're putting in negative effort for the boulder to run. You have to just like sprint after the boulder. And that downhill feeling is really the, the feeling, uh, I think, of what like product market fit look like, where the, where the market and your users are like pulling this thing and it's like running away from you and you're like trying to catch it. Um, and it's really hard to measure, like put into a single metric, you know, probably growth rate is like the closest you can get, but it was really more, it's more of a feeling. And for us, you know, um, I think that feeling uh, happened pretty close after we launched with, um, in Y Combinator, we launched, uh, you know, about eight months after we started writing the first line of code, we launched, got into YC, launched May, 2012. And, you know, probably within that summer or very quickly that fall, that feeling started to sort of emerge. Um, I do think one, one interesting thing along this journey for, for me personally was, 
you know, for a long time, I sort of thought of Zapier as sort of a boring productivity tool. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, it's solving these paper cuts, you know, integration stuff, you know, integration stuff's been around since the eighties and nineties. It's not a new exciting thing. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was my perception. I wasn't, I was not a user of Zapier for a long time. Um, and I wasn't for probably a couple of years actually, until I started finding my own use cases for the product. Um, and along that first couple of years, one interesting thing emerged from our early customers was they started telling us, you know, I had this mental model boring and we would go to these like user meetup groups and these partner conferences with all the vendors that we integrated with. And we'd have like people come up to us and like, shouted names across the room like oh the zapier guys like and like high five us and just there was like this unusual fandom and like love for and passion for this like product we built that i didn't square with my mindset of like well it's just another piece of software you know and like so we were trying to try to figure out like what what's going on there and as i dug into it and i saw this on my own self it, these 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 folks that really really love like zapier were um folks that were not just using it for time saving. Like certainly Zapier even today gets used for like time saving. You, you know, you've got your own use cases probably running this podcast that maybe can help yeah. save time. But the folks who really love it and are like our strongest evangelists and like, you know, I think the really the, the thing that's raised our own level of ambition and, you know, energy for what Zapier could be is these folks that it's more of a fundamental like zero to one enablement tool where, you know, their mindset is like Zapier has allowed me to build something that I didn't think was within the set of po like possible outcomes that I could do. You know, it's like, I was able to build this like entire lead marketing automation engine for my, for my startup or my company. Um, or, you know, I was able to build this entire sort of, um, you know, support form capture feedback loop for, 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 for my team. Um, or maybe run my entire like onboarding operation cycle for my startup. And I didn't, you know, that meant I didn't like, I wasn't like the alternative was not doing it or the alternative was like, do something cheaper or hire. Sorry. It was like, literally it was just not going to happen. Um, and so that like feeling of like, it's like it's like a new capability you sort of get right and i think people really that's what's felt so good is like when you get like a up level like a, you get a new superpower you get like a new capability then this like new tool that you can go out to the world with um that has been what folks get really excited so if you go to like the zap your homepage, one of my favorite things is like halfway down there's like a, a, a twitter ticker like scrolling section <laughs> all these are real tweets uh, unfortunately we had to uh there was e it was even they're even cooler on twitter because they have like little gifts and stuff with like you know marvel memes of hulk and uh, we had to get rid of those those unfortunately for the homepage. but um the but it's still like you can see the like passion in the language that they use about describing like zapier and more generally just like no code tools at, at all and this is who is the most passionate and, and so i i think you know we started off you know, hey, we're building a cool product and hopefully make some money. And along the way, I think we really felt like we tapped into something and said, yeah, this is this is not just like another company or another piece of software. Like this is something a lot more special and like should in, exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really doubled down on like, okay, let's let's see how big we can sort of get this. How do we how do we put that feeling into you know millions and millions of people's hands rather than you know just the you know tens and tens of thousands that we had when we first started. Man, that's cool. Yeah, it just you you changed the the shift to to where they were pulling you uh, based on the emotional piece that you were solving for them uh, and unlocking this whole new thing, which it which it completely does with me. It's like there's so many use cases that I have with Zapier that I just like I don't I wouldn't even be able to do it. It just wouldn't happen. Even and that doesn't indicate that that thing isn't important. It's just that I couldn't mm -hmm. solve it that way, and it's it's unlocked a whole new way to solve yeah. it. So yeah, it's I, like when you're smart, start off you know budget. Or it's like, either you're not technical, you don't perceive that you can do it yourself. So it's like, well, I'd have to go hire somebody, but you don't have budget to hire somebody. So it's like, you know, you feel stuck, right? It's like that feeling of like disempowerment. And I think 
when people learn about Zapier, it's like, oh, I can finally do that thing I've wanted to do for so long. That's where the empowerment comes in. Man, that's so good. Well, in terms of the growth strategies, what were some of the biggest things that you did or maybe a specific growth story that you could bring us into mm-hmm. in the early days that unlocked that week over week growth? Week over week yeah. growth? I mean, I think this is sort of um, well-documented sort of at this point, uh, but search is one of the things that worked for us really, really well in the early days. Um, you know, I coming back to the story before where uh, I talked about, you know, going to Google and typing in, you know, SurveyMonkey and Salesforce and getting, you know, pretty much crap results for a business user. <laughs> uh, that was sort of um, the thing that we tapped into was um, we sort of built Zapier. So every time we had a new use case that got turned on, we'd have a landing page that got indexed by Google for those things. And I actually think they're, uh, this is like an underappreciated, uh, fact about Zapier is it's essentially a business model innovation around integration. Like I mentioned, integration is not new. It's been around since the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, but it generally was targeted enterprises, it was sold technology and tools and software sold to IT or engineering, you know, six, seven figure deployments, um, just really expensive and really hard, right? Because it, it, it had to be, because you had to go through a sales team, you had to go through procurement, you had to go through an engineering build out to make these integration stuff like work in the past. Um, and I think what sort of Zapier figured out was like, oh, we found a sort of way to get a easy enough used piece of software in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of people, which allowed us to deliver it at a price point um, that was low enough that allowed us to get, you know, actually tap into like the SMB and the very small business market, you know, think like one to 10 size South teams. Um, and that was a largely based on the fact that um, for, the, for the kind of how, how we sort of acquired users in the early days where, you know, every time a partner would uh, add their integration to the Zapier platform, we wouldn't charge them to do so. Uh, you know, we're not asking for money for them and they're not charging us. Um, so, that, so we got this like new integration for free that would light up new use cases on landing pages, which Google indexed for free. So we had, we had essentially like a zero dollar cost of acquisition for users for, um, for a long time. And uh, that allowed us to deliver Zapier at price points that sort of no one else in the market could, or at least historically could, right? So, we're, you know, we're, we're, we had a starter plan at, you know, $20 a month. Um, and, you know, that's a huge dip difference from six figures, you know, a year. So um, I, that, that sort of like allowed us to tap into a much broader audience and set of people in the world um, to be able to give this stuff to them and, you know, actually make it, make it work. When did you land on this growth channel within that May launch? From that May launch, how many months did it take to say this is happening? Well, the downside of search is it's not a fast game. Uh, <laughs> so um, we, had, Brian Wade and I, uh, my two co-founders, we all worked at a um, company in Columbia, Missouri together before we started Zapier uh, called um, uh, Veterans United. They do uh, VA-backed home mortgage loans. And we all worked on the search marketing side of that business. So we all had some exposure in our past to this idea of like search and how it can, you know, get how you sort of connect latent user need coming in through Google with like a landing page that can solve that user's problem, right? That's like how to, I think that's the best way to think about Google and like searches, you know, it's literally users expressing their need and you want to show up really well to say, Hey, I can solve that need. Right. And Google's algorithm, essentially what they're doing is playing need matchmaker and they're trying to figure out what's the best internet provider that can deliver on the need that that user uh, wants. Um, that's, that's like kind of a, a simple, simplistic way to think about um, the game of search. The downside is it takes a long time for Google to index pages. It takes a long time for Google to learn that you are the best vendor or, you know, a one of the best vendors in order to show on sort of that landing page for that sort of user intent. So it's, it's a very slow thing to grow and it's very organic. It's very hard to influence. It is not one of the downsides of that game versus sort of the more traditional enterprise sales game is, you know, you can't put dollars in and just scale your sales team 
uh, and have control over sort of your costs there. Um, you know, once you sort of have tapped out search, uh, not a lot you can do to sort of get more from it, right? It's gonna, you know, the, the latent user search need in the world is fixed. <laughs> um, so like once you sort of have, feel like you've captured most of it, um, you know, the, you have to go do, reinvent yourself basically or create new value, create new streams of things that people might care about looking for. So we had search from the very beginning of Zapier. In fact, we actually built our app directory before we even had a product. Um, we had that like that list of apps we had, you know, we actually used it to help guide what integrations we built. When we sat down, at, um, we actually got started at Startup Weekend in Columbia, Missouri. Um, for that weekend hack, then we sat down, we threw, I remember like 15 names of SaaS apps up on the board. And like, I mean, it was very, just, it was, and we had some of the good, we had some of the right ones like Salesforce and, you know, Trello, I think. But we also had like AOL's Messenger on the list too, which, uh, you know, is not the thing anymore. Um, so, you know, we, we were sort of like all over the place in terms of, uh, you know, what we thought people want to connect. So we just put lighting pages up with email forms on them at that point and use that to drive demand, like inside for demand. And we would like, we sort of built a platform in the early days where it was fast enough for us to build integration literally in an hour. Um, so we would just like get an email request from a user on a new landing page and we would build integration and email back same day and be like, all right, hey, we got it. You can use it now. Um, and that's how we sort of got a lot of our initial customers and users. That's, man, that's amazing. Well, the last question is your superpower as a founder, but what would you say it is? You know, these days, I think the place that I have spent the most amount of my time is like living in the future a little bit. Sort of have to be willing a little bit to like, some somebody in the organization needs to sort of be willing to like go plant a flag out in the future and say, this is where we're going, right? Um, and that is probably more of what I have done for, like that. that's sort of the, probably the, I've changed my role a lot, actually. It's happier over the last 10 years. I've never had like a single consistent role. <laughs> like I ran a product management team. I ran our entire build org. I managed engineering. I managed research. I managed data science. I ran our labs team. Um, you know, Brian and Wade always have more defined roles. Wade is the CEO. Brian is a CTO. And so I, the way that I always thought about my role was like, whatever else needs to get done for the business, I'm just going to do. So I try to always think about like, what's the highest place I could leverage my time and attention for something that the business needed. And recently it's, what the business is needed is like, okay, we have, um, you know, we Zapper even basically through a year ago had a single product in market sold to one customer. And, you know, if you look at the arc of a lot of successful SaaS companies, they have to expand over time. It's basically the hallmark of any great, like uh, co company, Atlassian, Twilio, HubSpot, all these companies expand year over year, decade over decade. Um, so that was sort of something we need to start bringing into the DNA of the business and the organization. And you need a perspective on how you're going to expand. Um, so that's, that's been the, focus area for me in the last couple of years and uh, probably at least today the place where uh, I'm uniquely adding a lot of leverage uh, to the business. Always looking ahead in the future and seeing where that is in the running, running in that lane. And mm -hmm. Mike, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups.